Welcome to Telling It Like It Is. I'm your host, Matt the Godfather Ely. Hey guys, this is Veronica Ely. Welcome back. Zara Vignola back for today. Happy Sunday. And uh, we're recording in Binghamton, New York today. Well, Vestal, New York, if we want to be technical about it. And it's a rainy day. Yesterday, we went from a gorgeous Friday to an okay Saturday back to nasty weather again. It's getting annoying to me. So hopefully nobody will be out cooking out or anything. So everyone will be home, ready to listen. Oh, yeah. Happy Memorial Day weekend, by the way. Um, Yeah, so we had a, uh, let's see, what's happened since our last episode? Um, oh, well, want to start off by sending our, our thoughts and prayers with our um, fellow Houstonians and folks down in Texas. Um I actually did know some people in my friends list that were um, affected by the incident in Santa Fe uh, High School. I knew people, uh, close family friends when I was kids that that graduated from Santa Fe High School, so that was pretty close to home. And in relevant in in relation to today's topic, ironically, um. So anyway, uh, yeah. We also had what happened. The NFL made a decision about they banned kneeling, or they said that no, they they said that you have a choice of either stand for the anthem or stay in the locker room. And mm-hmm. they said that anybody who chooses to kneel and protest will be fined. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with. I think part of it has a lot to do with the fact that most of these teams are actually. Um, if you're private owned, you can really regulate your own laws, right? So this has, I mean, your own regulations or your policies has nothing really to do with um, individual rights per se that the government can talk about. So kind of in line with some of the things that, you know, we're talking about today. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's a little bit uh, of, uh, it's weird because they're like, they're saying that they, um, they made a policy, but then are also allowing the teams, individual teams, to create their own policies. And the Jets owner says that he will pay any fines for his players that choose to kneel. But didn't he also say that he was in agreement with the NFL? Well, here's the, here's the issue. It says it was by a unanimous... There's a lot of confusion around it. There's a lot of things that aren't clear. Because it was stated that it was made by a unanimous vote, which would mean that everybody voted for it. So that would mean that if he's an owner and it was unanimous, then he voted for that to be the policy. However, he's gonna going to pay for his... He's willing to pay the fines for his players to protest if they choose to. It sounds like he's just trying to cover his ass. Like, I'm going to... I'm going to go along with the with the rule, you know, like if it's unanimous, but then he's also trying it's like he's trying to appease everybody. Well, there was also some there the the 49ers owner abstained from the vote. So, that means that there's some people who didn't vote. I don't know the statistics on who did vote and who didn't. Well, based on the in my like last year it was kind of a shit show. 
everyone's pulled in every in every direction. Everybody was boycotting. Everybody For was offended. All different reasons. Everybody yeah. was offended. So but, it seems like right now maybe they're they're probably like, damn, like what do I do? Like how do I? I don't think they really care. I don't think that they're like emotionally invested in it either way. They are just trying to think of like, how am I not gonna catch the heat from this? How am I gonna not lose money? What's the easiest yeah, way basically. to not lose money? That's there. That's that's where at the end of the day for them, and it just it boils down to the irony to me of what the pro like. You know, I've discussed this before. It's like even though it may not have been the way that I personally would have chose to protest. I completely support the players that do do it and know why they do it. And secondly, um, the irony in saying you can't force. Like, the whole point of America is to be able to protest whatever, including the flag. And to me, it's such a, like, as a person who looks at the bigger picture and studies history, this focus that people have on symbolism and being like, this represents, to the point where they don't even see, like, the amount of hypocrisy that comes in. I'm like, you're insisting on forcing and silencing someone's enacting their civil rights as an American because of the way they choose to do it by forcing them to do it the way you think they should do it. Well, forced patriotism is not patriotism. And um, unfortunately, people are... They have their lines and... Um, I think that people have lines that they're not willing to allow other people to cross. And one of those lines is, well, you can protest, but... Just don't do it with in a way that offends me. And protesting apparently during the national anthem is that's the line that many Americans aren't willing to cross. But it's ironic in my because you know we were founded on freedom and liberty, and that's why you will find so many. Um, that's what. That's why we you will you will find many. Um, members of the military who are like this is exactly what i fought for you know and i mean uh, we i know friends of mine who are um service members are like yeah like i would never want to fight for people to force people to do anything that's not what america's founded on so i think it's one of those things where you're if you're someone who's like very passionate about your country and your flag it's just a matter of like putting your feelings aside like stepping back from that like that knee-jerk reaction to be offended by somebody kneeling during the flag because there's a lot of emotions attached to it you know you have people who have died and you know people you love who put their life on the line but it's never been about that so yeah that and that's the bigger issue is the fact that people that, that it's never been about the flag nor the troops it's been about the anthem and kneeling was a suggestion as we addressed on the show before that a service member made to Kaepernick. Why don't you kneel? Because that's what soldiers do when something's wrong or something's broken. And it's worth, it's worth stating again that the NFL didn't even observe the national anthem as it wasn't like a public display until I think 2009 when the military started paying them. So let's please like keep the money in mind. Like I know that, you know, we all get a little bit like, caught up in the music in the moment and you know but it's still about money it the america the military needs they need sponsorship yeah they need people to 
to join the military. And the other thing is on that note, I was going to say, I saw someone raise this point and I was like, good point. Does that, are they going to shut down all concessions and everything during the national anthem? Because exactly. if everybody's supposed to be standing and watching and, and attentive to the flag, then, you know, we, we, we should we should shut down all concessions. Everything should stop. Everything should stop then. Everything should just stop and everybody should stop and watch the flag. Yeah. They're not going to do that, though. Anyway. Um, so that that it just it's like I said, it is always worth repeating the facts and just trying to like rationally pull it in, like pull it in. Let's pull it in as a country here. Please stop getting so caught up in the, you know, like get pitchforks out. Like mm-hmm. just try to like listen to the facts and the statistics and just think logically about it. That's that's my thing. Yes. Anyway, so let's move on to today's topic, which is a very heated discussion and has been not even just recently. I mean, this has been going back since I was in high school. Um, but it is a big topic for today, and that is gun control. Um, the big debate is really federal gun Like, what should the federal government do about gun control? Um, the one plus one equals two. What is gun control? So, gun control or firearms regulation is the set of laws or policies that regulate the manufacture, sale, transfer, possession, modification, or use of firearms by civilians. And to follow up with that, because we can't talk about gun control without talking about the Second Amendment, um, the Second Amendment says that we as Americans are able to have a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state and the right of the people to keep and bear arms it should now should, shall not be infringed on. Okay. So just to give a brief background on where this is coming from. So the Second Amendment rights began and was taken from 1791, uh, the time when the country was just being born, right? Um, this is in the middle of the American Revolution. Obviously, there is no such thing as a full... Um, American military that exists at this point. So the term militia was very important uh, to be mentioned in the Second Amendment, right? Because that was the only sort of fighting force against the British soldiers at that time. Um, Now, the problem is over time, after the country had been established as, you know, the United States, then you have a couple of things that will come up. So one, obviously, is is there still a need of you know having individuals owning guns because you know that was supposed to be for the militia, right? Uh, the other part of it is as more and more states are being added, that is also going to cause sort of like an issue as to where uh, wh- you know what would be considered a free state. So the admission of the rest of the states at that time, obviously when the country started, we only had 13 states. And over time, as the country was growing, then there's also a tie between what set of laws are gonna be existing in each particular state. So even with the um, issue of you know slavery, for example, is also tied with the Second Amendment, right? Also tied with the issue of owning gun, um, guns over time. Because then, of course, black history have their own history within here in the United States. So everything from from the issue of the black codes where it enacts that it basically blocks blocks off black communities to actually own their own guns, which was obviously needed for a long time within black communities because their, you know, neighborhoods, you know, are actually being uh, attacked 
right? Um, with numbers of violence that we have probably mentioned in other episodes that we've had. Um, so that's sort of where that kind of um, evolved. And then you also have, of course, um, different groups that would come in. So in the late 1800s, the NRA would also be established, uh, pushing for individual rights to own guns. Um, by the time that you reach that time period also, you'll again, the black communities are still continuously being attacked. So when you get into the 60s and you're talking about Malcolm X the, and then the creation of the Panthers and all of that would push for the idea of protecting their own uh, neighborhoods, hence, again, the, their rights to actually hold on to some kind of firearms. Um, and so where we're at right now, though, is what happens to each state, right? Because just like all the other sort of laws that we have, there are certain things that each state has, just like driving and all other sort of state rights as mentioned in the Second Amendment in the Constitution. And so today, when we're talking about gun control, there are actually seven laws that they, um, they are sort of arguing per state. And that's sort of the criteria of how um, how strict each particular state is when it comes to owning guns. So the red flag laws, for example, is you know is only existing in five different states, including California um, and Connecticut, which basically takes away the the judge can actually take away an individual rights of any type of firearms should they determine that you as an individual is um, is not is not um, or is an imminent danger to yourself, but also into you know, the rest of the state. And then there's also the relinquishment laws, assault weapon ban, um, high capacity magazines ban, and prohibitions for high risk individuals, prohibitions for individuals with domestic violence convictions, and the background checks. And so those are determination of how strict each particular state is, and each state can determine. Some states just take maybe five out of the law, some of them would only, um, adopt about two of them. Some states don't even have, uh, you don't have to have a permit to actually um, you know, carry a gun. So that is where we're at when it comes to sort of like this debate of you know, gun control. Mm. Well, MDG says this. I do think, I mean, like any, I, there has, obviously has to be some set of regulation for any device that can kill you such as a car or whatever so i do believe in gun control like as far as regulation of guns to some extent however i'm not a huge fan of federal gun control um and you've I, 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 i've mentioned this before and here's why the united states is a very vast country it's huge just as you mentioned you know in the beginning there was 13 states and now we're 50 states and, and with multiple territories and what set of laws would apply to one community geographically speaking for instance new york city the, the, the gun laws that should apply to new york city would not make sense for a place like laredo texas or mcallen texas or somewhere in new mexico arizona that's along the border or or even like upstate new york or or, or places like that but I'm just, and I say that particularly when we talk about assault rifles. Um, I, I definitely should not anybody should be able to buy an assault rifle. But I'm not. I don't really believe in a ban, a federal ban, for the simple fact that if I lived in Texas and one of those border towns where there is a nasty drug war that gets a little, very little attention, 
uh, happening, and the cartels have assault weapons. And I live in an area like that where it's not uncommon for people to come on other people's property or to try to kidnap people and or try to drag people into human trafficking and whatnot. I'm not going to wait to call 911 where it's going to take the cops God knows only how long to get to my place in the event that not only a cartel, but say someone, uh, any organization from anywhere in the world wanted to try to infiltrate or invade the U.S., if they come on my property in a place like that, and I, I, I might want to, I would, I would, there's no doubt about it. I would own assault rifles in a situation like that, or I'd want to be able to. So now if you live in New York City, where you got every branch of military stationed all around there, and you got freaking the NYPD is trained like a military force, and you got people with assault rifles on every corner that are highly trained, and, and do individuals need to own assault rifles in a city like that? Probably not. I don't. I don't think so. I, I. I wouldn't want to know that someone that lived in my building in New York had an assault rifle in their apartment. Um, like I mean, they're literally. If you go in the subway stations in our Penn State, you see NYPD officers with assault rifles, and you see uh, counterterrorism people everywhere. So I don't necessarily think. So, I think, but New York City has its own gun laws. You see what I'm saying? Like I do believe that these things should be left up to the community to to the state or the city or whatever now i will say this on that note if you live in a state where the federal government needs to even be the one to have to tell you about common sense gun laws like so many of these people where we've men when when common sense gun laws have been brought up and you go up in arms out of fear that your guns are going to be taken away and you want to fight about it to me that says something about the community you live in, and it's not something good. <laughs> so, on that, um, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, one of my oldest friends, another one of my favorite people. He's an avid outdoorsman. He's been hunting since childhood, knows guns very well. He's the founder of Personal Best Fishing and a multi-award winning out outdoorsman in multiple sports when it comes to hunting and fishing um i want to welcome to the show tommy testa welcome to the show buddy thanks for having me brother glad to be here yeah and and, and tom is one of the avid participators in some of our um topics and he's not afraid to go into the lion's den and and, and take a lot of fire so I give, I give you props for that um tom let me ask you a question how old were you the first time you shot a gun no older than five okay and you started hunting at what age? Uh, eight with my dad out of state. And from your earliest comprehension, what was your understanding of guns? To respect them at all times. Um, you know, our guns were always used for hunting or target shooting. It was never about defending back then. It was always about practical use for them. Mm -hmm. And how old were you? Um, and, and you, I think I know this, but just to clarify, you were born and raised in New York, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, and how old were you the first time you shot a handgun? You know, I was probably 17 or 18. It was later in life. I wasn't, my dad was never into handguns, so it was just never something I was around until I had friends that were. Okay. And, um, and you're a handgun owner now, correct? Oh, most definitely. So tell me a little bit about the process. Like, what did you have to go through in order to, to own a handgun? New York is um, governed by the county 
that you live in as far as what laws pertain to that county. Each county's requirements to own a handgun are different. Um, like in Broome County, you fill out an application. It's like a hundred and some dollar non-refundable. Um, they do a full background check on you. It takes uh, four to six weeks. Uh, if they approve you, it comes in the mail, and then you can go down. You can purchase a handgun. You have to take the sales receipt of that handgun back to the sheriff's department. They put it on your permit, and then you're finally allowed to go pick up that handgun. So it's right now at bare minimum a three-day process, sometimes five, six, seven days, once you actually have your permit. Um, and then they one up that once you go to your concealed carry, it's a whole different, you have to reapply again. You go through an additional background check um, and you have to take a certified course in New York state. It's an eight hour class um, to educate you on being able to conceal carry. That's pretty much the, the current law on it. Okay. Interesting. So now, and also you're an NRA member. Yep. Okay. So, and, and but you were, you were grandfathered in. Through the family? Yeah, my dad had just made me a life member when I was uh, too old, too young to remember. Copy. Got you. Okay. So we've talked about this before. So when you hear people talk about um, regulation or like the need for uh, some of these mental health issues or issues that sound that surround gun control, um, what are some of your thoughts on that? I fully support 100% common sense gun common sense gun legislation especially when it comes down to mental health evaluations certain certain people just shouldn't own guns that's a fact there's no disputing that there's too many crazies out there um and i think that background check is imperative to keep it out of their hands so when it comes to common sense more thorough background checks and uh, things of that nature i'm gonna stand behind that 100 percent every time and which and just out of curiosity uh what about assault rifles what are your thoughts on that? I personally don't own one. Um, most of my friends don't own them, but I know there's a huge facet of the country that does. Um, I agree with your earlier statement. I think it's area specific. I don't think some of these cities should, nobody in New York City, what's the, what's the purpose? Why are you owning that down there? Uh, within the city anyway, I think the gun laws in New York City would prevent that regardless. They would, right? yeah, yeah, they would. <clears throat> But when it comes to privatized ownership of, you know, what people label as assault weapons, I don't think they should own fully automatic weapons anywhere privately, being honest with you. But when it comes to semi-automatic firearms uh, in the right hands, a lot there's a huge movement amongst hunters and shooters now. And it's not because it's a high-capacity rifle. It's a lightweight, extremely accurate uh, firearm. They like to take it in the field. It's great for downrange shooting, predator control, stuff like that. They aren't using it as an assault weapon with 30-round magazines and, you know, going out and just blasting everything that moves. These guys, five- to seven-round magazines, manage it um, and shoot it sensibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you hear a situation where we've had – how many now were the ki where people used assault, assault rifles? Um, in, in Parkland, this kid was 18 years old, and he bought – he legally owned it, correct? Yep. I mean, is it, are people, you know, is it crazy to think that there should be a law preventing that, him from owning that weapon? No, I don't think it's crazy. I think that that is, that's where you have the people who don't want any regulation of what guns they can have, 
when or why. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like your that would be your far like one hundred and fifty percent like on one side of you cannot regulate my guns ever because it's my right. You're right. That's like the NRA. I call it the cold dead fingers uh, or you know grouping on it. A lot, of, not all the NRA. A lot of the NRA does great stuff. I, I support them obviously. But there's a lot of that that like any gun legislation whatsoever is considered bad legislation and the NRA wants to stomp it the second it comes up. doesn't matter what it is. Have you ever seen the NRA support any bit of common sense legislation? Never. I've never seen it. And then you've got the direct opposite of that. The people want to ban all guns in the country. Uh, and then you have people like us that are in the middle that want to want to keep and bear arms. But we don't want to see where the, the, the way the country is still going. Yeah, I mean, it's just to me, I don't feel like an 18-year-old should not be able to go out and buy an assault. And let's clarify what assault rifles are. All assault rifles are not fully automatic. Assault rifles are just, they have the capability to handle high-capacity magazines. However, here's the issue with assault rifles. Most of them are easily modified to be turned into um, semi-automatic or fully automatic weapons. Um, but even if it's not fully automatic, it's not hard to fire. If you have a clip that holds 100 rounds and you are you're rapid fire without having to stop and reload, you know, that's a war. That's a war weapon. Like plain and simple. You don't need you don't need that to hunt. You don't need that, you know, even for basic self-defense, unless you're um, like like I said, you're in a place like a border town where so, somebody might come on your property that has assault rifles weapons or you have to fight a you know a whole group of people are invading your farm or something to that degree well i think that um when we're talking about uh because parkland was he was the one who purchased you know he purchased that gun himself and i believe he was 17 Mm -hmm. i don't even believe he was 18 so that brings up the discussion of what what like how do you write like how do you put an age limit on the gun because i know all of my friends had guns when we were teenagers um but you also have to take into account that there needs to be some level like if you truly you if you truly understand and respect these weapons and you need to be a of a mature enough mind to be able to have that concept that like maybe you shouldn't be able to own that weapon until you, even if you're 25, because the your brain isn't even done developing until you're 23 to 25. That's when they say that your brain is de- done developing. So, like, I think about the way that I was when I was a teenager, and I think about the, the way that my boyfriends, my high school boyfriends were. Would I want those boys owning assault <laughs> weapons? No, not really, because... There, you're not you know you're, you got hormones you got all sorts of things so so in this most recent um well i can't i can't even say most recent because i don't think it's the most recent i'm pretty sure there's been a shooting since santa fe but that boy the first person he killed was the girl that he liked and she rejected him so the first victim of this teenage boy's rampage was a girl who turned him down so i mean there's so you can't just like the it's obviously like you can't just pinpoint the motive of any shooting to just one thing. And, and personally, I mean, where I stand is that I don't think that talking about guns is going to solve any sort of mass shooting. 
or, or mass rampage, I should say, not just a shooting, but um, that's where it's like you need to think about it in terms of like the human brain and development and like who should have guns and for why and when are they able to. Mm-hmm. A, a point with that, with him though, it was his father's guns though, right? They weren't actually guns that he owned. He took his dad's thirty-eight and his rifle to school. Right, that was the the Santa Fe one. Correct, right. So, I mean, at that point, it goes back to his father needing to lock up his guns. It, it, maybe, is there some kind of common sense law that would mandate certain gun locks or cases so that they're, a lot of this is kids taking their parents' guns to school? Well, the thing is, like, in Texas, so to talk a little bit about um, having lived in these different environments – I've seen a lot of perspective on certain things. And with gun control, in Texas, we grew up, guns are everywhere. Like, I shot my first gun. I was seven, maybe. Um, it was a rifle. I shot my first handgun at nine was when I was taught to shoot. And they talk about armed t- uh, people in schools. Like, there was armed police officers in my, as far as I can remember. I don't ever remember a time that I didn't see an armed security guard or officer in my school at the grocery store at the bank at everywhere like guns were everywhere people had guns in their cars in some places in the gun racks um it's just it, it, it they're just part of in texas they're part of culture so you learn early on like they are not toys um they are to be respected uh they can kill you and not everybody should have one, <laughs> you know, it, 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 just like a car. So I noticed something like living in New York. I was having a, I was at I was at uh, one of the stations I work at and me and another co-worker who lives in Connecticut. And uh, apparently they have strict gun laws, but not as strict as New York. No, right. Connecticut is actually stricter than New York. But they for some reason he had well, I don't know how, California. but he has a bunch of legal gun. He's a gun enthusiast, as you, quote unquote. So I was talking about how I was Maddie's 18 now and she's old enough to drive around Houston and I want her I want her to learn how to shoot and I want her to be ready to have a concealed weapon when she turns 21. I want my I want my I want her to be able to carry. So I was taking her to the shooting range um to learn to start shooting. And one of the producers that I was talking this lady was literally like looked like she was she was she was like having anxiety she's like you guys are freaking me out she's like you let your daughter touch a gun like why what do you guys have guns for what are guns and she's representative of so many people in new york when it comes to guns and i'm not gonna beat up on them i'm not gonna make fun of them i get it they aren't raised around they don't see guns guns aren't something they're exposed to so i get i get it i understand why you you're scared of because you're not exposed to these things that are dangerous um but on the same hand people that own guns and support gun ownership aren't idiots either not all of them um you know there has to be that balance in between but it is where it comes in like we said with the common sense gun laws and in texas you know they i remember years ago they started with the the fingerprint gun locks um, they have, they have the cases where you got to stick your hand in there. Um, I think it's just a, a lot of these cases are lacks of carelessness and it is, you know, it was mentioned, there was in our comments online, people saying, you know, we need to start targeting parents 
if your kid can get access to your gun and shoot somebody, you should be held accountable. Yep. I agreed it. You know? I think the problem is it's it, it you know, that's one of those things that once again, not all communities are the same and you know, maybe that can be a federal something on the federal level. The issue, though, so here's the issue with the argument of gun control. It's almost like all the other sort of divisive argument, right, per state, um, is that in, you know, here in the U.S., right, a country that all constantly talks about this whole issue of, like, you know, do individuals own, you know, I don't know any other countries actually that do talk a lot about gun rights or gun control other than the U.S., I don't believe that that's actually discussed in other countries in my experience. I mean, I was in second grade when I first held a gun, so in a country that doesn't have Speaking any of which, kind what of is, laws. What is yeah. the gun laws like in the Philippines? I, there, I don't think that it's actually in existence per se. I think that individuals can easily just get their own guns. And that's what I'm saying, that it is not, because I think the whole gun control issue is a sort of divisive tactic because of the way that this country is built, right? You have different states and each state can determine the kind of culture and the kind of laws that they can create, which is usually based on what culture is created in that particular state. So here's the issue that I'm having with this whole um, connection of, I don't believe that the mass shooting has anything to do with gun control. That's one, it's kind of like what Veronica also mentioned earlier, right? Um, I think it's being painted as such so that people can continue to kind of fight and debate all of that issue. The other part is when it comes to, say for example, there's a terrorist attack that actually used guns. All of a sudden it's titled as terrorist attack and that title is like that's an actual gun control issue. And that's, that's really where the problem lies is that how is it being represented and so that people can continue kind of you know, argue about it or debate it as such in terms of the lobbying process and what you know, gets into the laws. Interesting. Um, so p they've mentioned um, arming teachers. This has been a a, a, a yeah. big. This is this has been nah. <laughs> that is a nightmare. This Do is not. What, this this came up earlier at breakfast today because I'm like anybody who's shot a gun like knows it's hard to hit your target. Like that's something you practice and you you hone that skill. To the thought of having someone who just has a gun just in case but doesn't actually use it, like what? That's like like yeah, like okay, so how many kids is that teacher gonna shoot trying to shoot the shooter? Like what? That's just no. no. They're expecting an educator at that point to make the decision of what's lethal force to defend their classroom and what isn't. That's the biggest mistake. I think that could ever happen, it, you know, and, and from our state, I see in Texas, I think it's already happening. Um, it, they've but, always, there's always been people kind of know that certain people all have their guns in their briefcases or whatever. I think purses. it's great to have a, a you know, an, an officer at the school, like our school in Shenango Forks up this way has an armed officer on campus. I like that, mm -hmm. I, but I don't think teachers should be the ones to have guns in a school. Well, it was when it first came up as uh, that was Trump's um, comment, right? I when remember the, the mass shooting happened, and so when we were discussing this, and me as a teacher actually approached a student, I was like, "What do you guys think about that?" And 
straight up, the student was like, no, there are certain teachers in here that I would not trust <laughs> with a gun. And starts naming names, right? Um, but the other part of it is, um, just like any other individuals, they have to go through the same sort of training. This has nothing to do with, you know, again, connecting the mass shooting that happens in school as like, well, now let's all arm all the teachers because they're the ones who's in the classroom. But it's like, no, maybe we should figure out other tactics. Like I said, um, there are many gun violence that happens outside of school grounds. And other schools, we talked a little bit about this last time in terms of um, uh, the Houston situation where there's no scanning, for example, mm -hmm. in most of the schools that you're the metal detectors, yeah, yeah. The metal detectors. Whereas the schools that I've worked at with large of gun violence outside of the school actually have, you know, I've worked in, in schools in the Bronx and in Brooklyn that has um, scanning, mental, uh, metal detector scanning. And the violence, though, outside of the school grounds is where it's happening. So the mass shooting wouldn't happen in school, right? But Again, that's like another set of issue, but mm -hmm. that's what they're talking about when they're, you know, referring to like gun violence per se. I've known almost in Houston, they've had in the urban side HSD, I think like almost all the schools have had metal detectors in them for like over 20 years. So like there's so many schools that have already had this for so long. I don't know why it's such a big issue to people like, you know, I'm kind of like. Put it everywhere. Like you, when you go in a bank, you go in any government facility anywhere else. There's if you go in city hall, there's metal detectors. You go in wherever. There's I think I think a lot of people just think it's a waste of resources and focusing focusing your the attention on the wrong area. So like, I think that we know. I mean, I'm sure Zara knows. Funding for public schools is like extremely scarce. No one like teachers are underpaid. Most teachers spend their own money on all of the supplies for the classroom and they're already overworked. So we're like, if we're going to be putting money where, first of all, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from for the teacher's guns? Cause teachers can't afford it. Um, and where is the money going to come from for all the funding for these security measures, like new doors or, um, shelters put in place, whatever. So I think, and, and this is my opinion on the entirety of like the gun argument is that we're focusing on the wrong places. Um, you, and like I, at the risk of sounding like someone who's the people who say, if they don't have a gun, they're going to do it with a knife. Like I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that because you can't kill that many people with a knife. But I, my whole, my thing is that I think, that there's a root of a violence issue in America and no, it's not violent video games. Um, and that obviously I would, I, anything to reduce the number of gun mass, mass, um, shootings would be great. But I just think that we need to talk more about why they're happening versus how, because you can make more laws and you can do these things and it might make it a little bit harder, but there's still going to be somebody who is so like sick that they want, they're still going to go, they're going to get a gun somehow from somewhere and they're going to do it. If they have to go to another state, drive across the border and buy a gun somewhere else with easier, you know, easier to get it, they're still going to do it. And there, there's like an estimated 200, 250 to over 300 million guns in circulation in America. So like we already have the guns here. They're not going anywhere. And to try and legislate them away is just unrealistic. And that's mm -hmm. just a waste of, it's, it's a waste of time and resources and you're not going to, you're not going to solve the problem there. Yeah. Let's read a couple of comments from my line. I, I posted a, a, 
a, a bait question, quote unquote. I asked. People were so mad. They're like, "Did you get hacked?" <laughs> I, I just I asked simply, "Do you think guns could sh- should be banned?" Because I know that there is people that are, but none of them commented. Over a hundred, over a hundred people commented. Not one person said yes. But it seemed like everybody believed in some sort of regulation. So Dustin Wadsworth said. No, but I am in favor of stricter background checks for all gun purchases, not just handguns. Checks should include a mental health evaluation and an annual renewal process, or at least every five years like a driver's license. I was going to say annual is a lot. Handguns just went to that in New York where we have to renew it. Handgun ownership in New York just got regulated to that where we just had to recertify all of our uh, our handguns with the state they had to go back through our permit processes make sure every one that you own was on that permit um and they're going to do that every five years so new york is like leading the front on that hmm. you know it's funny new york has always had really strict gun laws compared to to anywhere else so and, and i always want to point that out for people that are always like up in arms about um you know federal gun legislation there's yet to be any f- democrat or republican who's proposed anything stricter than what New York State already okay, has. But but they might have strict gun laws, but that doesn't like this is I guess this is in the embodiment of my opinion about it in the first place is that it's still not stopping people from buying guns. No, no, there's like, bigger you, no, I, you yeah. can literally buy a gun from anyone you, anywhere anywhere. Any Are you kidding me? State. You could go to the neighbor's house and buy one. You can go to Walmart. Well, when Obama was president, uh firearm sales were at an all-time high, so He was the best gun <laughs> salesman <laughs> ever. <laughs> no, but honestly, there's nothing that prevents me to go over to your neighbor's house or go down the block to someone's house. There's no check, there's no nothing. I can just go in his house, give him 500 bucks, walk out with a gun. And there's no policing to that whatsoever. And I don't have to register that I own that shotgun, that rifle, that anything. I just walk away and no one ever knows I have it. doesn't matter if I'm a felon. No one even knows. That's the other thing. Let's talk about that. Some of the my issue is some of what is enforced. Like, for instance, sometimes if you're a felon, you automatically can't buy a gun in most places. And I don't think that's fair because not all felons are the same type of felons. Like some people are felons because they were drunk drivers or drug possession, nonviolent, where Obviously, if you're a felon because you're violent because you armed robbed somebody or maybe you shouldn't own a gun. But I don't think it, I, I personally don't think that a nonviolent felony should automatically disqualify someone from gun. But ownership. that's like a whole other can of worms with how a lot of the gun laws discriminate and, and who is yeah. affected by the gun. Yeah, we didn't even get to touch on that. Um, you know. I personally am not a big fan of federal gun control because I think that it is a target mainly to disarm blacks and people of color. Um, there's this overall theory that the black people don't own guns legally, and and it's a belief. Even I, I notice this because when I when you know when I go to work, I have people that I work with at Democracy Now where they've made this oh, let up let a bunch of black people arm themselves, and you'll see, and I'm like, well. There is a lot of black gun owners, especially down south. Legal. In fact, illegal. Yeah. And I'm part of a group that is the, the National Association of Black Gun Owners. I don't know anybody in Texas. I can't think of one of my black friends that doesn't legally own a gun. Like, so, like, that theory is just, it, it's where not to, you know, push the identity politics of political affiliations, but it is common a liberal thought process that oh you know 
people of color don't own guns. They're just victims of guns, and yeah. you know. And I also did mention earlier that it is with certain neighborhoods that actually do have certain gun violence that happens. So, like in East New York, I do know that there are schools, elementary schools, that do shooting drills, not a fire drill, but shooting just because it's in the daily for them to actually have shootings. Now. New York State does have strict laws, but how in the world did they have guns, right? So again, has nothing to do with gun control laws. It has a lot to do with who's who's taking these guns. How are they even getting them, right? And again, on top of the fact that there are other issues that are also coming up within those neighborhoods and targeting those neighborhoods that supposedly shouldn't have, you know, guns or people with, you know, yeah, no gun rights. Yeah. Well, anyway, we, we 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 are gonna have to have a part two on this and continue this discussion. Unfortunately, because I don't think it's going anywhere and it's so heated and there's so many layers to it to really get into it. But I think that people on both sides of the argument that are extreme quit being idiots and listen to each other and hear what people have to say. Like, I do think that there's a legit. I don't trust the government enough to b- support full disarmament. I just don't. Sorry, I study history. Also. I think there's a reason why we've never been invaded by another country. So I don't support full disarmament. Um, We do need to look at the common sense gun laws and the way that gun control is regulated. Um, Anyway, Tom, thanks for coming, man. So so what's going on with you? What do you got coming up? Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what you got going. I'm, I'm loving this personal best fishing site you got the page thanks man yeah i'm uh, i'm a fishing nut you know that i'm a tournament bass fisherman all over the place so personal best fishing honestly came to me while i was fishing you know you're out there for hours and hours and hours nothing to think about so um yeah we'll see where it goes it's starting a brand is slow i know it's going to take a few years but we'll see where it gets me and and you are doing giveaways for people weekly that post pictures yeah we do some giveaways on the page giving away some of our apparel items uh we're trying to grow the page so we do a lot of stuff um personal best fishing on facebook or www.personalfishing.net online cool go check the page out and if and if and if you're like i know some of my people are fishing heads go post your pictures brad compare there's some cool stuff on there um anyway um so you can find me at matt the godfather on social media I-G-M-A-T-D-A-G-O-D-F-A-T-H-A. If you have any anything to add about this topic, like we said, we're going to do a part two, maybe a part three, <laughs> um, please send us an email. We are T-I-L-I Truth Radio at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. It's telling, telling It Like It Is official radio show on Facebook. We are on iTunes now. SoundCloud, and we are airing live tonight on www.firingsquadnetwork.com. That's right. And you can listen to Firing Squad Network on the TuneIn app. And also some of you who did um, put in some comments, we're definitely going to post them on the page. Um, also, please continue to email us. I think we did receive some emails um, in the last you know, few days. Let us know what topics you guys are thinking about in the future so we can certainly cover. And let us know if you do want to be a guest with the show as well. Thank you. Telling It Like It Is is produced by myself, Matt Ely, Veronica Ely, Zara Vignola. Special thanks to Maddie Ely for handling our social media. We are not Democrats. We are not Republicans. We are not conservatives. We are not liberals. We are realists and we're always telling it like it is.